1: We have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. There's not many
2: teams at the beginning of the year that can say that. We have a chance to, and, and it's got to be on us to, to make that happen. You're listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide with Ted Rainey This is our opportunity. Our time is, is now. Our window is now. Now. Now.
0: Logan gets it back on the right wing boards. Flips it rink wide. Trouble for Timo Meyer, though. Checked by a combination of Pareco stepping in and Barba behind the Sharks goal turnover by Byrne shot for the goal score! Well just seconds into the game good forecheck there by Alexander Steen gave the puck away and Barbashev intercepted around the left wing boards and just tossed it to the net it wound up deflected back behind the goal and the St. Louis Blues only 35 seconds into this game take the 1-0 lead Off the draw, let's see what happens as a result of that exchange. Power play St. Louis, shot there by Tarasenko on goal, save score! (laughs) Well, Tarasenko gets it on the left side, walked in the circle through to the net, Patrick Maroon, right out in front of the goal, was banging on it. He should get credit for it. Tyler Bozak was also in front, might get credit for the goal, but... Either of those guys make it 2-0 St. Louis, and that is a tough turnaround from what could have been a 1-1 game on the other side of the ice to 2-0 St. Louis.
3: All right, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Morning Tide, the official morning show podcast of the San Jose Sharks. I'm your host, Ted Ramey, and oh, God, that was one that you feel you played well enough to win. You lose 2-1. You're responsible for all three goals in a cruel, sick, twisted way. And we all, what we need to do right now is pour one out for hashtag two or fewer because that finally came to an end. This was a game that the San Jose Sharks mostly played the right way and Martin Jones deserved better. I thought the Sharks deserved better, especially Brent Burns rattling the iron on a couple occasions. I thought that just overall, the Sharks put forth an effort that should have given them a win, should have given them a 3-1 series lead, but ultimately, they don't. We're level at 2. We're headed back to Game 5, Sunday at noon at SAP Center. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be another raucous environment inside the tank, but looking at this one overall, the reason the Blues won, and I don't mean to be... Overly obvious is because the blues came out absolutely red hot. They came out with a blitz. They came out with a force and purpose and just an overall anger to start off the game and the Sharks, whether by mistakes of their own or just not being able to handle the rush from the blues. Committed a couple of errors that allowed them to fall behind two to nothing, and the Blues did not relinquish. The Blues, from that point on, played a good enough game to keep the Sharks out of the net and keep them on the underside of that two nothing score. Yes, the Sharks were able fi- to finally get one back later into the game, but by that point, it was already too little, too late, and you could tell that as that third period wound down, the guys were gassed and they just didn't have anything left at that point. And again, this is the Stanley cup playoffs. These are two exceptionally good teams, two teams beating the crap out of each other and two teams, in my opinion, also putting on one hell of a show because again, Martin Jones was fantastic. Uh, Bennington was fantastic. This was a game of excellent performances, but unfortunately there had to be a loser. And unfortunately, for us, it was the San Jose Sharks, and now after four games, we are level at two games apiece. But listen, I don't mean to oversimplify. I don't mean to sound like a broken record and flash back to the take I had a series ago. Right now, after four games, this has turned into a best of three series, and the Sharks have two of these final three games at home. If the San Jose Sharks take care of business on their home ice, they will win this series, and they will advance to the Stanley Cup Final to take on the Boston Bruins. Now, whether or not that's going to happen, that remains to be seen. But if you had to tell me that would be the situation after four games in this series, I'd take it 100%. The Sharks, in game number three, were able to rally late and steal a game by way of a fortunate call or non-call that benefited the Sharks. I don't think that was luck. I don't think that was a, a anything to taint what the Sharks are doing. Good teams take advantage of situations they are afforded. That's everything the Sharks have done throughout this entire postseason. And now they need to take advantage of the fact that they have three games left in this series, potentially, and that two of them are potentially at home. It would be brilliant if the Sharks could finish this off in six games and not put me through uh, just the overall stress of a game seven. I would be very much appreciative of that. But it feels a lot like the Colorado series. It feels like we're going into that back and forth and back and forth. No one's going to win two consecutive games. And this is going to once again be in San Jose for game number seven. My wife's going to be commenting about how nervous I am and that I need to get out of the house. And I've been through that for the past two game sevens. And yeah, I I feel like we're headed that way. But right now, these two teams are playing excellent hockey. And again, you look at that game last night, the Sharks... They were missing the net sometimes, and that was a factor. But ultimately, you got to give credit to Bennington. you got to give credit to the Blues. And again, the way they came out to start that game, they were really, really, really good. They came out hot. They put the pressure on the Sharks. The Sharks had a tough time adjusting in that first period. And that effort that the Blues put forward in the first period was ultimately what won the game for them. And for the Sharks, they did control things more in the second period but they were not able to break through third period yes they are able to get pull one back and get one in the back of the net but they couldn't push forward and continue to find just a little bit more of their offensive rhythm and again I thought the fatigue was something that definitely played a factor and of course there was the fact that Eric Carlson was out of the game uh for a a stretch in the third period and we don't know exactly why that was as of yet Pete DeBoer wasn't saying anything in the post game And the closest I got to any sort of an explanation was that Jamie Baker said that he didn't feel that Carlson had any of that push that he had seen in game number three throughout the entirety of game number four. So at this point, it is a wait and see for the San Jose Sharks. But ultimately, if the Sharks put forth the effort and the clean game that they played in game number four and get that type of performance from Martin Jones in game number five, game number six, or game number seven, the Sharks should advance to the Stanley Cup final. But this, again, is sports. And sports are so so cruel. Martin Jones deserved better. Brent Burns deserved to find the back of the net. I thought the Sharks and the way they played, they deserved to walk away with a win in this game. But they didn't. And again, you give credit to the Blues. You give credit to their guys. You give credit to Bennington. And you get ready for game number five. And... Really, the only thing that concerns me about Game 5 back at home ice is that it's a noon start, and that's early. I mean, I I know what it's like when my schedule changes, and I'm not a professional athlete. I just flap my head towards a microphone and record the sounds that come out of it, but it's different. You have a biological rhythm. You have a circadian rhythm. You have a a timing on your coffee and your food and everything. These guys are used to playing at 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock, or 7.30, that's what they are used to, game in, game out. With a noon start, that actually plays more in favor to the Blues, in my opinion, in terms of being closer to their biological rhythm, because that feels like a 2 o'clock start for them. It's a little bit closer to a norm for them. I know that you're traveling back and forth, and everybody's circadian rhythm is way off right now. But that's really my main concern, is knowing how hot the Blues can come out, as they did in game number four, are the Sharks going to be up and ready for it? And I don't mean psychologically, and I don't mean that they're not going to be up and ready for it, but I just mean, are they physically going to be able to come out with the intensity necessary because of the clock changes that are going on with their bodies? When you are a West Coast team and you are forced forced to play early in all sports, it seems like there's a detrimental aspect to that, and we're going to see the Sharks tested on Sunday when they have to be playing an early game. A noon start, is abnormal. It's not the norm. It only happens every so often, and the Sharks are going to be tested. But that's what I love about this Sharks team. Every time they are tested, every time the questions are asked of them, every time that it's put on the line, they've been able to respond. Whether it was when they were down 3-1 to Vegas in the series, whether it was when they were down 3-0, whether it was when they needed to come up with a big performance in Colorado to take back home ice and get to a Situation very similar to the one we're looking at now. A best of three with two of the games being on home ice. That's where the Sharks find themselves again. Being asked to give an answer. Being asked to give a response. Being asked to put forth a performance when maybe some things aren't looking entirely in their favor. And I'm not trying to overreact. Again, I don't know what's going on with Carlson I don't know why they couldn't find the back of the net and more in game number four. And that's not to take anything away from Bennington. I just thought the Sharks could have had some better looks and could have maybe, you know, buried a couple more. It didn't go that way. And again, this is what happens in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's all about the response to adversity. And it's been a common theme for this team throughout the entire postseason and throughout the entire regular season. The Sharks have always been able to respond to that adversity. And I expect nothing less. It's all about the response. Do you have a response? And that's exactly what the Sharks have had over the course of this season and postseason. So again, you worry about the 12 o'clock start. You know this team has been here before, but now we're about to watch them go up against it in the biggest game of the year. Once again, we get to say this with every following game, but now to keep advantage of that home ice, it's once again, truly the biggest game of the year. If you take a 3-2 series lead, you put the onus on the other team. And again, they put the onus on the Avs from game number three to game number four, and the Avs came out themselves with a huge response. Now, that onus shifts back to the Sharks. Can they come out in game number five and take control of this series once again? You win game number five, pressure shifts to them for game number six. And if you win game number six, sweet. Onward to the Stanley Cup Final. All right, and we now have joining us on Morning Tide, the one and only Devin Setaguchi. Of course, you remember him from his time with the Sharks and, of course, in the NHL, and now he's doing a great job as part of the crew on NBC Sports California with Sharks pre- and post-coverage, plus the very entertaining Intermission Live, which if you're not watching, I highly suggest you do. Devin, what's going on, man? How are you doing?
2: Uh, Not much. Just finished watching the game, and... uh having a nice cup of tea and getting ready to wind down for bed with my uh, young son. We don't uh, stay up too late anymore.
3: Yes, no, I know the feeling, man. I have a, a five- and a three-year-old, both boys, so uh, late nights are uh, a very... Unless it's at a Sharks game, for me, it's very much a thing of the past. But, yep. uh, yeah, so l- let me just, uh, you know, go back over this game. I'll start first your your 30,000-foot view of this game. How did you perceive it?
2: Well, I think it's, you know, I've kind of listened to the interviews and everyone's kind of spot on, you know. The Sharks, you know, they deserved a better fate. But um, they ended up scoring all three goals tonight. And, um, you know, if you keep bringing that kind of game, you know, it's not going to be – not very often do you end up on the other side of that if you can bring that game that you had tonight.
3: Yeah, no, I I 100% agree. And – I think going into this game, the hashtag two or fewer, which has come under so much uh, discussion and scrutiny, they were forty and zero, and that comes to an end. Um, do the? I mean, I know that media members we pay attention to things like two or fewer. Do, do the players are they even aware of that stat? I mean, obviously, if you give up only two goals, you probably think you're going to win. But are they aware of the the numerics, the metrics of the, the forty and zero heading into this game?
2: Um, I mean. To be honest with you, I think I, you know, I've had some coaches, and if you allow only two goals, that you give yourself a good chance of winning the game. That's just like a standard in the NHL. Yeah, you want to, so I don't know if they are aware of the actual um, two or fewer hashtag that Brody and Brownie always seem to talk about every single time we're out there, but. Um, <laughs> You know, that's kind of the goal as a team's two or two or less. You give your chance a good, a good chance to win.
3: Yeah. And, you know, it's unfortunate that they weren't able to take advantage of that tonight. And just flashing back to your own playing career, man, when you had all the media guys discussing your numbers or metrics pertinent to your team, did you pay it any mind? Were you ever paying attention to stats as they pertain to your team um, beyond, you know, maybe just the, the ultimate things that would quantify whether or not you felt you had a good game?
2: Um, to be honest with you, I don't think we, I, I mean, during the playoffs, I would stay away from media. Um, I got in trouble when I, I think it was my second year I was on Twitter with the media and then since that day, I just kind of stayed off of it. And especially if you haven't scored in a while or things are going bad, you just don't read it because you can't have anything that messes with your brain. And a lot of times people don't even, don't even, uh, get involved because it's just going to mess with your psyche. So...
3: Yeah, no, that's that's not a bad take at all. It's, just, it's funny because, uh, you know, as you know, now that you're a part of the whole media scene, there's such an intense discussion of numbers that, you know, like you said, guys are probably trying to ignore it, which I always uh, have to laugh at a little bit. Um, so Tomasz Hertel in this one, Devin, I want to ask you, because he, you know, he wasn't having a great game, in my opinion, and I know that listening to the the radio broadcast um you know they were kind of saying like you know when's hurdle going to get himself into this game and then he's able to fight back later on and get um yet another goal is 10th of the playoffs he's second to only logan Couture, um able to fight through you know where where have you been on on tomas hurdle over the last couple of games because it seems like he's having a little bit more trouble finding his way
2: yeah i think it's he's guy he's had he's, he's a little off but um you know it's very tough not very not all the time do you see a guy that consistently puts up goals more and more and more and more like cooch has been doing um but yeah to me hurl is a guy who he's at his best when he's protecting the puck down low and he's taking pucks to the net and he's you know attacking the middle of the ice and um he hasn't looked uh 100 to me but uh you know, a lot of guys um, that I've been watching haven't really looked their best, but tonight they look pretty good. Yeah, um, So that's a positive that they can take out, and sometimes one goal like that just as a scorer, you just kind of like, okay, I got a little confidence back, and I'm ready to go.
3: Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, speak to that confidence. I mean, how much did, if you were going through a, a tough spell, or I mean, for Hurdle, it hasn't even been that tough. It's just been, you know, highly focused on in the last couple of games because he's been playing at such an exceptionally high level does just getting one across the line does that boost your morale that much does it make you feel like oh all of a sudden I can find the back of the net again
2: yeah I think uh it works so like it's crazy that once you just get one the kind of like all the doubt is gone and out of the way and you get the puck the next game and you're confident and so, yeah, it definitely helps so, out for
3: sure. Yeah, again, we've got Devin Setaguchi here on Morning Tide, the official morning show podcast of the San Jose Sharks. We're discussing the 2-1 loss in game number four. Series is level at two games apiece, Devin. Now, you know, my very simplistic take is it's a best-of-three series. The Sharks have two of those at home. Um, to me their job is to make sure they win both those home games obviously you'd love to to finish it in six but where where do you think these guys heads are right now and what's your viewpoint on just saying hey win your home games and take care of business
2: yeah I mean I don't think they're really stressing too much about this the loss tonight with their effort that they put forth and um, to me they're just gonna come home and regroup and do what they've always done and how to bounce back and Uh, When they're playing in front of their own fans at home, it's kind of a different story. And um, I think we really expect them to come out and be the aggressor here to start uh, game five and try to swing back uh, that home ice advantage.
3: Yeah, no, it would be huge. And, you know, I expected St. Louis to come out hot tonight and they certainly did. Um, Did they come out hotter than you expected? Because they, I mean, they got a goal 35 seconds in and, we obviously learned from that Vegas series that, you know, chasing a game on the road that early is going to put you in a bad way, and I think it, it did because um, it changed uh, changed the dynamic of the game pretty quickly. But, I mean, they, the way I saw that first period, the Sharks, it could have been more than a than a 2-0 deficit.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, they came out, they had to push. I thought their goals that they scored were not very good. Um, so... Uh, That's what you're supposed to expect. You're supposed to, you know, the coach always tells you, hey, we got to just embrace the storm for the first five to ten minutes, get settled in the game, do what you need to do, and then after the push is there, you just kind of settle back in. And, you know, unfortunately, the first shift, they let, uh, you know, a a little one, a, a couple of redirections went in, and all off your own guys. So that's kind of a momentum shifter, but they didn't quit, and they kept playing, and I thought their third period was the best period of the series so
3: far. Yeah, I thought they looked phenomenal. The only thing that worried me about the third period was this at that last power play they had um, and which led to the timeout being called by DeBoer, which I thought was a, a great moment to do it is they looked gassed a little bit. They looked a little bit tired and they'd been I mean, they'd been peddled to the metal for that third period, but they looked a little tired and. You know, we were talking about the fact that Burns had been on the ice for almost 31 minutes in the previous game, and you know both he and Carlson are out there for 26 and 25 minutes. Did you see a little bit of fatigue, or is that just natural at, at, when they've been playing that hard as they were in the third period? And it's it's the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's you know the middle of May. It's not like these guys are fresh as daisies right now.
2: Yeah, everyone's fatigued. Exactly. It's not like they're they're not. And but they had a good push. And yeah. I think they are definitely just maybe feeling it a little bit. That was, you know, this is a big boy series. This is, uh, I think this is double the amount of physicality than the East Scott. Um, and that's just my opinion to me. These two teams have really been taken to each other and, uh, it wears on your body.
3: Yeah, definitely. And again, we're talking to Devin Setaguchi here on morning tide, the official morning show podcast of the San Jose sharks. Um, Carlson I I know you said you listened to the interviews I haven't gotten into all the sound yet a lot of people were discussing why he wasn't out on the ice for an extended period of time late in the third period he did eventually come back on was that Pete DeBoer trying to manage his minutes and keep him fresh for a push at the end I mean I know they're not going to talk about the injury if there was one but what was the way that you were viewing it
2: no I really couldn't tell you you know it could be a skate it could be an equipment problem it could be an injury could be that they wanted uh, five forwards and one D out there at the end of the game Um, you never really know what it uh, what it could be
3: yeah it's 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 fun watching Carlson though because he's it's the way people have perceived his playoffs they're kind of complaining about him not scoring more goals but he's had a lot of points he's been a part of a lot of goals and I've you know I just enjoy watching his overall game because I feel like he impacts things so much when he's out there on the ice
2: yeah he does he's got the capability to take a game over and uh you know and there he's been a very important uh player for this team and they wouldn't be here without him
3: yeah and you know just seeing him not out there that was the thing it was like you know I was trying to figure out what the issue is but but like you said we can only guess at this point um back to the you know the other guy who was out there for a ton of minutes once again Brent Burns um you know people are going to talk about the giveaway he had uh before the first goal and you know, that happens. I'm not about to criticize Brent Burns because I feel he's been just a monster throughout these playoffs, and, and I just thought he had such a big game, just coming up with big hits, and, of course, he was the guy getting the puck to the net before the the, the goal they scored. Um, just your, your take on Brent Burns because he's such a unique defenseman and how much he can create on offense and, you know, just the physical presence he is out there.
2: Well, Burns he's a forward. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, you can't – you can't – uh, fault him for that play on the first goal because Timo Meyer has to get the puck out of the blue line. I'm a I'm a winger and I played the wing my entire life, and that blue line is the most important. When you got the puck on your stick inside the blue line, it gets out. You trip the puck out, and he didn't get it out. And then Bernsey had a turnover, but it all starts with the puck management inside the blue lines. And to me, that's where it, where the battle was lost. And then yeah, on Bernsey, he plays so many minutes. Um, I think sometimes that just gets uh. It, 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 um, his ability to think sometimes goes out the window because he's <laughs> just so tired. But he makes some incredible plays. This guy's an incredible hockey player, and uh, you know I can't sit here. I gotta have some respect for the players because I was one myself.
3: Yeah, no, I mean yeah. that I, I get that one hundred percent. And you know it's, I feel like there's often in sports, and you you know you've been on the other side of it. Is there's. From the media perspective, there's almost a dehumanization of athletes sometimes because we expect people to be perfect. We expect Brett Burns to always be, um, you know, just a a world class player like these guys can't ever make a mistake. When you were a player, did you ever just kind of feel like, you know, like, hey, like I I understand I'm a professional athlete, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to be flawless in every aspect of my game at all times.
2: Well, I mean I think it's not even just athletes, social media in general now, and in, in media is just kind of taking over this whole um millennium and uh yeah, I mean it's people forget that hockey players are also uh, you know, they're people and they're out there doing their job, they're doing the best they can and you don't know what's going on off the ice for them. You see it on the ice, but sometimes a guy has some serious problems off the ice. And that could be with family. It could be with a personal problem. It could be with a grandparent. It could be something going on that you don't know nothing about. Yeah, and um, that's why it's frustrating sometimes as players because you want to, you know, you hear these guys asking these questions and you kind of just want to be like, dude, come over here and I can just, I would love to take you out for a second here because <laughs> you don't know what's you don't know what's going on in the player's life. But sometimes they are just playing bad and. That's what That's what the coach's job's for, and that's what the players, guys, and players in the room are for to, to let them know.
3: Speaking of coaches, I was very, impl- I mean, I'm a big Pete DeBoer fan. I'm not going to lie. I you know I've been enamored with him. Um, you know, back before he was with the Sharks, and when the Sharks got him as their head coach, I was very happy with that. But I really like the fact that he came out and somebody asked a question before. Um, you know, the game about whether or not there was a, an element of luck involved uh, that the Sharks had throughout these playoffs, and he shut that down. And I love that because I, I, I'm i not a big believer in luck. I believe that if the Sharks have, you know, caught some breaks, that's good because good teams take advantage of breaks that go their way. Then that's what good teams do. They make the break go their way. Like Vegas, you know, people are still crying foul about that, but Vegas had a 3-1 lead in the series, and they gave up four you know, goals on a power play that's only happened one other time. And, you know, Colorado that, you know, the people still talking about the, you know, the rare offsides being called there in that series. It's like, well, you know, there, you can go all about the series and pick out every single call. And, you know, Pete DeBoer just kind of shut that down. Um, You know, just your thoughts on Pete DeBoer, just, you know, is that, is that a move for his guys or is that a move for Pete DeBoer just because he doesn't want to hear that or is it both?
2: No, that's just the media being media and not knowing <laughs> anything about hockey. Um, sorry to be so blunt. But, <laughs> no but, man, um, that's why we love you? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you got to figure it out. If you, in the history of the NHL, it's only happened one time where uh, on a five minute penalty they scored four goals. So Vegas has to, at some point, look at themselves in the mirror and be accountable to the fact that they let in four goals. They were up three one in the series, and you can't say that you lost. You lost the series off that one call in the game. When I look at Colorado series, I look at the Landis interview after the game and said, yeah, it was my fault. I should have had a better line change. They went and reviewed it. They saw it, and they called it back. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad call. That's, an, that's facts. And in this last game, I saw Justin Braun get hit with a, with an, with a shoulder straight to the face. What I've seen is multiple um, game suspensions in the playoffs so far and also a delay of game with a puck shot over the ice. No call, right. no nothing. Sharks didn't do anything. No media after the game even talked about that. They talked about the hand pass. So if they're really looking at it, and they're looking at the one result that happened, I think the Sharks were on the, the shorter end of the stick in Game 3 as far as penalty calls, and momentum changes after Perron flicks the puck over the glass and then scores two goals two minutes later and four minutes later. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, it it is what it is. Pete's done a a heck of a job, and Pete knows that. And I think the players all know that, no, they're not lucky. They're seizing opportunities and other people. Other teams aren't seizing their opportunity to put teams away or to win games, and they're blaming it all to me on one bad call in a series, which that can't be the case because if that's the case, I'd go back on my career and say I'd still be in the NHL. (laughs) So.
3: No, man, I mean, if you're preaching to the choir here. I, you know, I, it, it bothers me. And it was, you know, I remember after game two against Vegas, everybody was complaining about the goalie interference call that wiped off a goal for the Sharks. It would have given them a 4-3 lead. And I said, yeah, it was unfortunate, but you probably shouldn't go down 3 nothing. Like, you can't just say that's where the game was lost because it has to be a two-way street. And yeah, it would have been great if the goal had counted, and I still disagree with the call, but it probably would have been better had they not gone down Three to nothing to to begin with, but you know it's it 's worked out all right uh, for the sharks because they 're still playing, and that 's of their own uh, volition and that 's of their own ability to win and take advantage and uh, you know Seto I want to uh, leave it on this because i 've heard these guys on TV giving you crap about the Seto funk and that you got guys sick. I did not come into contact with you personally during that time frame. And I too got that funk that was going on, so I do not think that all of the blame can be put on your shoulders.
2: No, it's not. I talked to all the, uh, I talked to a couple <laughs> doctors, and they all agreed that that was going around in the it, it, all around the, the Bay Area. So yes, it was not my fault.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm here to validate you as well from my end. But uh, hey, man, thank you so much. Uh, I know that I'm loving. Everything you're doing with the broadcast crew, especially the intermission live. I was talking to Brody about that after the last game. If people are not tuning into that because that's more hang loose. It's just it's a little more raw. Uh, that's you guys are uh, hilarious on that. You're cracking me up.
2: All right, thank you very much.
3: Again, that is Devin Setaguchi. Everyone here on Morning Tide. Now it's time for us to get into some of the post-game sound. Let's start out with head coach of the Sharks, Pete DeBoer, responding to a question about the status of Eric Carlson. Pete, Eric Eric seemed to be laboring a little bit tonight. Is is there an injury concern on your part? I, I don't have anything for you there. So that's a pretty nebulous response. I think we just have to wait and see what's up when it comes to game number five. Now, this was Pete's overall take on the slow start and the way the Sharks responded from there.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, you know, Maybe the best I've felt about our game in the series so far even though we lost, you know we put two goals in our own net and are uh, off our own guys and uh, Didn't get the start we wanted. got on our heels on the first shift and took a couple penalties, but you know other than that uh, And then not finding a way to, to
2: get a couple more goals. I, th- I thought we did a lot of good stuff.
3: Now to the head coach of the Blues, Craig Berube. Here he is responding on how he got his team ready after a crushing Game 3 loss.
1: Um, Well, just after the game, uh, third game we lost, just came in and talked. And we just talked about, you know, you got to just move on. And the call, you can't change it now. And it is what it is. Like, um, you know, I think we talked in uh, terms like that game, um, we had one goal lead. We could have closed it out then, and we didn't. So it, we, we let it go to overtime, um, and that was a difference tonight. We closed it out one goal lead.
3: Wow, it's almost like he's echoing everything I said previously about them letting in the late goal and then afterwards having to focus on literally everything but that final controversial non-call that led to the game-winning goal for the Sharks. Huh, how about that? And then Barubi was asked about his overall feeling on the series after four games.
1: Well, definitely. I mean, that's a close series for sure. They're a real good hockey team. You got to play really well against them. Um, you know, I think our first period was good tonight. I thought that they came out hard in the second and obviously had some offensive zone time on us. We got to do a better job of not allowing them to take control of the, the game that way. I thought in the second period we just sat back too much. We didn't play aggressive enough in the second period.
3: And we can compare and contrast that with Pete DeBoer of the Sharks. <laughs> well, you're, 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 in the, you're in the Western
1: Conference Final, two-two. You know, against a really good team. I feel pretty good. We got home ice advantage. Yeah, I mean, you know, I feel good.
3: Over to the Sharks' lone goal scorer on the night, Tomas Hertl. This was his reaction to the Game Four loss.
2: I you know, because we exactly the opposite what we want. You know, we start slow, turn to my parks, They come hard. You know, we made kind of lucky. It was just two nothing after first. You know, Jonesy make a couple of huge saves. But we have still a chance, and, but it's it's hard, you know, if it's like they play home and losing 2-0, you know. But we have a couple of good chances. We try, you know, but we can start like that, you know. If the first was, was really ugly, you know. We, they, we don't have any chance, you know. They come in hard, we turn so many pucks and But, you know, it's tough, but still, you know, we got home advantage now, so it's 2-2, it's nothing happened. We got, so we have to just win the next one.
3: And here's Brent Burns giving his reaction to the Game 4 loss.
2: Tough first,
1: obviously. Um, after that, I think we we battled back there. Uh, had some good looks. Uh, yeah, I think we, we got better. We got better than that. We're gonna have to have better. It's a great team over there, and uh, you know, still looking for a solid sixty. I think.
3: So I think the main takeaway from all of this is that the Sharks feel they played a quality game but didn't do enough of the little things to win. However, I think they also feel that they can build upon this effort and they can use that to win the two more games that it'll take to get to the Stanley Cup Final. All right, that wraps it up for this edition of Morning Tide. A big thanks to Devin Setaguchi for joining me as always. And I will talk to you all on Monday morning as we will then be looking back on game number five. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off.
2: Thank you for listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide with Ted Ramey. Music composed by Yogi Yend. New episodes appear each morning after Sharks playoff games on the Sharks Sharks digital digital platforms. platforms.